0: Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater.
1: And I'm Rachel Olson.
0: And you know, I've got to tell you that today, uh, Rachel has already made me giggle some, because you know, (laughs) when you're with friends... There is so much good that comes out of just laughing and being allowed to just be you, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we're around friends, I, I have some dear friends that I love, and don't get me wrong, I adore them, but they're so stinking serious sometimes, <laughs> and it it kind of uh, they. They don't mean to be the wet blanket, but oftentimes they are just because they they want to look at life always on a serious note. And I've got to believe that when God said he uniquely created us, that part of what he did was create a sense of humor in us because he knows that laughter is good medicine right and so mm-hmm. there are times in our life when when we're going through stuff or our friends are going through stuff and we really don't know what to say and so sometimes in those moments we feel like we have to put our serious hat on and try to help them figure it out and while we do that we not only uh, Make our friend feel worse, but we may make the situation worse by not allowing them to just be. So Rachel, I want to talk a little bit of, uh, today because we all find ourselves in in those situations when we have friends, and sometimes it's us in those situations where uh, we're just going through something really rotten. <clears throat> And we don't know what to say. We don't know how to handle it. And so today I want to talk a little bit about what to say when you don't know what to say.
1: You know, the uh, God having a sense of humor, I I have it marked somewhere in my Bible, but I don't have it memorized. It's somewhere in the Old Testament. I'm not sure. Maybe somewhere around Kings or, or Chronicles or something like that. Um, It was when they were were having a big problem with the worship of Baal, B-A-A-L, that um, false god. And um, anyway, in the Bible, this is how I know God has a sense of humor, and I wrote this in the margins of my Bible. I put a little arrow and said God's sense of humor. Um, When they finally destroyed the, the, the big statue and temple of Baal, um it says that the place where the temple stood became a local public toilet and it says that it remained so so um that's how i know god has a sense of humor that's that's what he thinks about false uh false idol worship but let me tell you yesterday lou I was driving in to work, in to teach at the university. I had this three hour teaching block I had to go do. And in the car, on the way there, I switched my, my radio, my satellite radio in the car, over to NPR. And on NPR, I um, came into the middle of a show called Fresh Air. It's just where they interview various people. Um, oftentimes the person has written a book or something. And um, what caught my, my ear there was that I was hearing them talk about God and Jesus. And I'm like, that's, that's a little unusual for public radio. Um, so I, I tuned in and I listened. And it was such a fascinating interview. I didn't catch the whole thing. But the uh, woman being interviewed, uh, her name was um, uh, Kate Bowler, and she's written a memoir called Everything Happens for a Reason, and it's a memoir about her life. Now, Kate grew up as a Mennonite in Canada. Um, she came to the United States. She um, came to, uh, she went to Yale. She got a uh PhD or a doctorate or whatever it's called uh, in divinity from Yale University. And then she came down to my home state of North Carolina and she teaches for the Duke Divinity School at Duke University. And so her life was going well, her education went well, she got a great job, she got married, loved her husband, they had a a son, he was about one, she adored her child, everything was going well, and then suddenly she gets hit with um, a massive um, tumor in her colon, cancer. And they had a very hard time diagnosing it. They have had a very hard time treating it. She gets scanned. And now she went through chemo. That was really, really tough for her. They kept telling her. About every two or three months, they would tell her she had two or three months. Um, and she would still be here in two or three months later, although in pain and not well. And they would try some more treatment and tell her she had two or three months. Um, so here she is, a, um, you know, I guess, a professor of divinity going through this, her life had been pretty sweet up until now, and she wrote a piece that got published in the New York Times on the front page of the Sunday Review, and it was just a personal piece, a personal essay about what she had gone through um, and and how she was trying to reconcile what was happening with her and her faith. Um, She wasn't losing faith, but she was saying she was having to rethink some things, Um, So anyway, I have not read the New York Times piece. I just heard the interview on air. But she said she got a lot of response from readers. Um, She said, to be honest, I didn't really think that through when I wrote this piece for them. She said, I wrote it kind of by myself in a hospital waiting room. And I wasn't really thinking about the fact that it would go out in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and that those people would say something back to me. Um, But she said she got tons of things in the mail and email. Five to six thousand pieces of, of, of emails or response to that the person might say, um, you know, I'm really afraid too. If something like that happened to me, I'm not sure how I would handle it. I'm not sure how I would reconcile that with what I believe about God being good and um, rewarding those who are faithful. And um, she said that, you know, like, what happens if my dad dies or my, my, my kid dies, or, you know, I'm, I'm diagnosed with something, um, sh- they they were j- basically just saying, you know, I feel fragile. Um, my faith feels more fragile than I want it to be. Like if I were cracked open, I might spill out.
0: You know, people, when they are trying to do something nice, sometimes trip over their own words. And I think that there's a story in the Bible that really can enlighten us in what to do and what not to do in those situations, and that's Job. I remember years ago my pastor uh, told me that he knew that Job was his go-to book whenever anybody was going through anything that was painful. And it, it was so much the case that he had done a whole series on Job at our church And as soon as the series was over, he then had to go through uh, consoling his mother-in-law and was there when she found out that her husband had just been killed in an accident. And he said, suddenly I had to uh, live out what I had just been preaching about all those weeks in the book of Job. And what I want to point out is that Job really didn't deserve what he was getting. You know, he had done all the right things. He had ticked all the boxes, you know, doing the things that he thought were the right things to do. He was living a righteous life going along, minding his own business, and suddenly everything flipped upside down. And in those moments, we can still have our our reassurance that God has not left us. However, there are people trying to do the right thing to give you um, words of wisdom that may say just the opposite and we see Mm -hmm. that throughout the book of job and one of the things that I've learned in my uh, several decades of life is that sometimes we absolutely just have to deal with a hardship we just have to have faith through the hardship and we just have to have endurance to to sustain us and and that is hard to do when you're sitting there watching your friend go through something hard you you have this impulse to say something and so you blurt out words that maybe do more harm than good
1: Um, in that interview kate said people would tell her That because she wrote that piece in the New York Times and it it got a lot of response. You know, people would tell her, "Oh." well, you had to go through this, you know, cancer and, and, and death scare, which she's still, you know, dealing with, it's still in the same position. Um, You had to go through that so that you would write that piece so that other people could be comforted and helped. Um, And that's your, you know, it's like, that's your, there's your win, right? There's your, there's your reason or your win. And she's and from her perspective, she's like, well, okay, then I lose when I win. I like literally lose my life. Just to, to win. Like, could I not have written a piece that could help people without me dying at age 35 or whatever it is? We do have this tendency, and I am guilty of it, to want to immediately tell people: here's the reason for your suffering, here's the good that's gonna come out of it, here's the silver lining, here's here's how we know this is God's will, and not just a really cruddy thing that has happened to you in a fallen world. To be honest, Lou, it's not just that we want to help them feel better about what they're going through, but I think also, in part, it's as much for us. Like, we encounter what seems like random senseless suffering, particularly particularly when it's someone that we know is walking with God. And I think it can shake our faith a little bit if we can't explain that away.
0: I, I remember when my brother found out that he had leukemia. And he went through all the normal stages of, you know, shock and anger and all the things. But I remember him saying, you know what? I'm so tired of people telling me that this is going to, it's going to turn out okay. It's not going to turn out okay. My kids are going to grow up without a dad. I'm going to die and I don't understand why there are... Uh, alcoholics that have done nothing right in their life that lived to be 90 and I'm going to die in my 30s tell me how that's right and he said when people would come up to him and, and try to explain it it would just make him more upset and he says look I know you're trying to help me and I know you mean well but if that's the kind of God I serve then I don't want to serve that God Because my God would not do this so that something good could come out of it. I don't always get it right. But what I try to do when I know somebody's going through something, I try to keep my words to a minimum. I I try to listen. (laughs) I don't think any of us can comprehend what that person is experiencing. We can't. We just can't, Mm -hmm. because even if we've had someone that passed away or went through that disease, we don't have all the other things that are going on in their life. I mean, Job, good grief. He went through thing after thing after thing, and you know he had to be sitting there going, oh my goodness, what's happening next? I'm almost afraid to wake up because I don't know what might hit me next. And I know I've felt that way. But not to the same degree. And so we have no way of knowing all of the other baggage that comes along with whatever someone's going through. And so for me, one of the things that I always try to remember when someone is going through a really horrible struggle in their life. I try to say, I'm here to listen and to pray with you.
1: Job had three friends that are are recorded there in his story. And his friends were, were... good friends right they they wanted to be helpful too and they did do three things right Um, they did sort of what what you're saying there they did do three things right in the second chapter of Job they come to him when he was suffering so so they moved in instead of moved away Um, they empathized with him it says that in verse 12 of chapter 2 it says they began to weep out loud they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads which sounds really odd to us but that was the, the kind of the, the way that you showed mourning and, and sympathy in their day. In our day, it would be like showing up with a casserole or a bouquet of flowers, right? So they did that. They came to the hospital room. They showed up with the flowers. Um, and then the third thing they did right is they spent time with him. Um, They were with him for seven days. They just sat with him for seven days before they offered any advice. Just gave their presence, which was beautiful and helpful. Um, Where they got into trouble was after the seven days when they just had to make some sense of this and tell Job what's happening and what he needs to do. That's where they got in trouble. And then it records that each of the three men kind of give a a series of speeches speeches, I guess you would say to to Job, monologues or whatever, um, uh, where that contained a lot of inaccuracies in their thoughts and in their logics, primarily about why God allows people to suffer. And the uh, overarching belief that you see in their speeches was that Job was suffering because he had done something wrong. and so they wanted Job to admit his wrong and repent so that God would bless him again. And God condemns that advice. You know, it's so fascinating. And um, in Job 42, verse 7, he says to, to, these, to, to the friends, he says, I'm angry with you and the other two. He's talking to one of them. Um, I'm angry with you and the other two because you have not spoken the truth about me. It wasn't ever Job that God was upset with. and In fact, at the beginning of the book, we learn that this, God did not inflict this upon Job. He allowed it to happen to Job. And there is a difference between God's permissive will and God's intentional will. And we, we confuse those two and assume that if something bad is happening, we want to tell them that this is absolutely God's plan. It may not be God's plan, but he may have allowed it in this fallen world. Um, and Romans 8, 28, he will somehow use it in a positive way. Doesn't mean this is his plan for you, but he will bring something good out of it. But that's not necessarily the main point.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's in those dark dark moments of our life that we choose whether we're going to believe what Satan is whispering because you know Satan loves to use our pain to convince us that God doesn't care. He he does. He tries to whisper Mm -hmm. to us, you know, if God really cared about you, you wouldn't be going through this. And when good meaning friends come along and kind of... "Mm," say the same thing then all of a sudden we're not only hearing it whispered by satan into our heart but we're also hearing our friends say it we have to at that moment decide okay i'm going to use this time to draw closer to god i'm going to use this time to dig in and go okay god i don't get it i don't get it i'm not going to pretend to understand this But I do know this, you created the universe and you created me and you understand every single thing that's going on. So I need to understand you and I need to draw in and believe you in this dark time in my life right now, because I want to make sure I tune out everything that is telling me anything that will confuse me or frustrate me or bring me into despair. I want to stop and turn to you, God, and know that you have my best interest at heart.
1: I think one of the healthiest things that we can do when we're really going through the ringer like that, a loss of a loved one, a loss of health, um, our, our own impending loss of life, we have to come to some sort of sense of acceptance of it. And as long as we're trying to find a reason for why it is a reason that we're not going to be able to 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 know with certainty, or as long as we're trying to, um, you know, determine whether this is fair or not, and if it's unfair, why is it happening? You know, all of that just impedes our ability to get to that point that you just described, which is, you know, what this is, what it is. I don't like it. I may not fully understand it, but I accept that it is what it is. And now I can turn to God and see how do I walk through this? Um, I think too often we get hung up. We can't get to the turn to God and walk through it part because we're so hung up on the why did this happen? Why is God allowing this? This is not fair, but it's not fair, but it's not fair. And, you know, in Isaiah, it says
0: his ways are not our ways. We'll never understand all of the things that God allows to happen in our lives. And there's always going to be events that don't make sense to us, always. And so our responsibility is not to question, but instead to trust God and believe that he knows best. And, you know, we saw that play out at the end of Job in Job 38. I mean it's kind of like it's kind of like the uh, the ending of a movie. You're like, finally there's some something that makes sense here at the end of this craziness. The Lord answered Job and said, "Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that um let him answer." Then Job answered and said, "Behold, I'm vile. What shall I answer?" I don't I don't have an answer for you God and that's that's the way God wants to remind us like you will never understand my ways but do you trust me anyway do you believe that I'm gonna work things out and so when we're talking to friends and loved ones who are going through something really hard the best thing we can do is encourage them by praying, by being there for them, by bringing them a meal, by loving them, hugging them, and encouraging them to draw near and draw near. That's it. When you draw yeah. near to God, that's where you're going to find your comfort.
1: Yeah. Romans twelve fifteen says, mourn with those who mourn. That's what it says It doesn't say You know Explain to those Who are mourning Why they are mourning And how they should not Be mourning anymore (laughs) It simply says Mourn with those Who mourn You know Sit with them Cry with them Love on them Just say Yeah This is hard Let's pray Yeah And so
0: Just like Job He did not Get it He didn't understand it But he finally saw That God was good And You know, he was he felt it all along, but he started questioning when his friends started questioning inside. He was like, well, maybe maybe they're right. So what I want us to all kind of get out of today's little discussion around the table is we are all going to go through awful things in our life. Every one of us are going to lose loved ones. Every one of us are going to have that call from the doctor ourselves, and we have to choose in advance how we're going to handle it. We've got to know right now that we can trust God through all of it. And no matter what anyone else says, the God of hope will give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online, when you get a chance to sit down and breathe, at EncouragementCafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week, where we fill you up one cup at a time.
1: Are you looking for a way to maybe spruce up your quiet time? We've got something for you. If you just simply visit us online at encouragementcafe.com for a gift of any amount to the ministry, you'll get a awesome devotional coloring book. I've used this myself. It just slows the mind and the heart down and uh, helps me to focus in on God as I meditate on the truths within. So visit our website for a donation of any amount and infuse your quiet time with a little color.